Welcome to The Word Podcast, a meditative listening experience. I'm your host, Sam McCabe. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to be more connected with what we're doing here at The Word Podcast, you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash the word pod, or follow us on Twitter at the word pod. And if you'd like to give into what we're doing here, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash the word pod. Finally, We'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe to our channel on iTunes, as well as leave a review of what you think of the show. That'd really help um, get us more exposure and get more people meditating on the Word with us. Now on to today's episode of the Word Podcast. Hey guys, um, before we get started with this episode of the Word Podcast, um, I just want to give you a quick heads up to something that I want all of you guys to go and support and consider giving toward. Um, In this episode, we interview John Mark McMillan and Andy Squires. Now, Andy released a record in 2015 called Cherry Blossoms, and it's really been, uh, it's really had a large impact on a lot of people. Um, It's one of the few albums that I have found in the faith space that has confronted um, some of the real um, maybe more dark issues of life. Um, and it's really beautiful. The songwriting is really great. Well, he's running a Kickstarter campaign right now um, that ends at the end of May. Um, as of right now, when I'm recording this, he's about halfway there. And I really want to encourage you to go on Spotify to listen to his record, Cherry Blossoms. Um, actually, go on iTunes and buy the record because good music is worth buying. Um Listen to the record and consider giving towards this new project that he's doing. Um, I've heard some of the songs that he is wanting to put on the record, and it's just going to be amazing. So give toward it. Um, This episode is really special. It was such a fun conversation with him and John Mark. Um, We talk a lot about music and worship and songwriting. Um, As a worship leader, it's really important to me um, that we be cultivating good art or or maybe good art's not the right word, but maybe it's it's more faithful art, more earthy art. So if, like me, you're a, a songwriter, a musician, a poet, a creative type, um, this episode is going to speak a lot to you. And if you're not one of those kind of people, but you care about um, the church presenting a faithful witness for what Christian life is, then this episode is for you as well. Um, So I hope you enjoy this very special episode of The Word Podcast with John Mark McMillan and Andy Squires. Yeah. Well, for those joining us this week, um, we have two very special guests on the show. We have John Mark McMillan and Andy Squires. Um, If you are at all familiar with um, good Christian music, you will have heard of them both. And if you haven't, um, you need to get on Spotify or actually you need to get on iTunes right now and go buy all their records. Um, So, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, man. Thank you for having us. So um, those who are listening kind of know the the typical format of the show so far, but um, I just want to dive right into the subject of uh, today's episode in being worship, music, songwriting, all of that stuff. Um, I'd love to get y'all's take on where the church, at least in popular church culture, is at musically and how we can progress into greener pastures. Um, So I had this question in my mind yesterday, and I'm interested to hear y'all's opinion on it. Has 
worship music as a whole um, lost the X factor, that intangible thing that, I don't know, I think about um, some early records that I, well, early's relative, I suppose, um, before the worship industry really took off, hearing some um, earlier, not quite as produced records that just stirred my soul. And I listen to them now, and, and, and there's not a hint of cynicism in me about any of it. But it seems like now with the uh, expectation of having an album a year or multiple albums a year and all that stuff and the glossiness and, and the kind of worship celebrity culture that's created, it, it seems, at least in my opinion, that we've lost some of that intangible quality to it. What do you guys think? Uh, man, I... And not that I am cynical. I mean, I have been cynical, but I tapped out on sort of um, conventional worship music um, a few years back. So I don't really know what's going on for the most part in the greater world. Um, Not because I made a conscious effort. I just lost interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so maybe so I I guess so my I guess I would say I, why have I lost interest? That'd be a real interesting conversation or something to think about. I think that that's my next question. A, by the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there also is a lot going on. I think that um, it's real easy to make large statements, but as far as the very very popular stuff that you hear everywhere, I'm not. There's not a lot of that that interests me, um, and so. Um, why has it become less interesting? I don't know if I changed or it changed, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I do think it happens with all music in this way in order to become more popular. You, um, you, you make things more and more approachable to more types of people Mm -hmm. and you don't do that by, making things more complex, you make it, you do it by making things less complex Mm. for the most part, not all the time. You know, I have a friend who says, I guess this analogy doesn't work anymore, but he says you don't become president by being best person for the job. You become president by being the least offensive. Um, that didn't work this year, but generally speaking, (laughs) that's the way it works is popularity has less to do with, um, what you what you offer and has more to do with <laughs> uh, how easy you're going to be to deal with, you know, yeah, and that, the music's the same way. That analogy tanked. <laughs> it, it does. It actually will actually, um, there, we could go to a much deeper conversation. I think is really who was offended and why. And I think yeah. to more Americans than not, and I don't want to get into this conversation, but actually more to think about it, to more Americans, Trump was less offensive which yeah. most people can't believe, but actually is true. Yeah. You know, so there's an elitist thing going on. I think that there are more, um, you know, working class people um, who found Trump to be less offensive, but that's neither here nor there. But I'm saying so to get bigger. And I think that's one of the problems is, is sort of, we have this idea that for Christianity to be relevant or important or meaningful, <laughs> that more and more people have to jump on board. And so all of a sudden music becomes a tool to do that. And so we want to make open the doors to allow as many people into the conversation as possible. I think not realizing that often we lose aspects of the conversation that are very important. So 
that's sort of my 3000 foot view of yeah. the landscape. And that's also me, you know, being very, very general. Cause there's a lot of interesting things going on that people probably haven't heard of. And there are some popular songs too, and some popular bands out there that are doing some, uh, do probably have some interesting songs. Um, you know, so it's, it's easy to be super general. Uh, yeah. You know, so and, I, and, and, you know, John Mark and I both have a lot of friends that are kind of in the worship music industry, if you want to use that word. And so probably, I mean, I want to be careful of, of openly critiquing, you know, how that goes. But I will say this from a personal standpoint, I don't, I don't buy worship albums and, and the reason is because I, I guess I listen to music to be inspired or to have some kind of emotional response. And I think um, it's rare that I come across a worship tune or an album, for that matter, that does that for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's probably why, you know, I've, I've kind of adopted out of that whole scene um but 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 let me say this i love worship i'm i love worshiping god i love you know gathering together with the people at my church and worshiping so i'm definitely you know i I still like to get my praise on sam sure (laughs) yeah well it's important to me too like i i'm not saying that i don't worship anymore but i'm saying like what has sort of been passed along in this season for you know the narrow strip of what worship is supposed to be is not as interesting to me as what I think worship can be, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not that I'm tapped out on worship, uh, as a thing. It's just more of what we've been sort of sold as worship. Yeah. Andy, um, I know you're the worship pastor at Queen City Church in Charlotte. Um, do you find it difficult to find new songs to sing? Yes, that's the hardest thing. That's mm-hmm. the hardest thing ever. It's mm-hmm. the number one, to me, it's the number one part of, part of my job or my, or, or our journey as a worshiping community is finding songs that, that we actually, you know, that, <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's different ways of thinking about the interaction that happens on a Sunday morning. So I've been a part of churches where the main, the main goal was to get people excited or the main goal was to get people to have a certain thought, a certain way. And at Queen city, I think the, the way we like to think of worship as it's an actual engagement with the Lord. And, but, but what we realize is that not not every day of our life and not every part of our life is this completely zealous devotional experience. And so, we're, we're, you know, the bulk of our community is just people, average people living their daily lives and trying to, as much as they can, live it in thankfulness to God. So we want to find songs that kind of tap into the, how should I say, the dailiness of the normal Christian's life, you mm-hmm. know, and 
And I think I think one of my my big issues with modern Christian music or worship music is that it's very triumphalistic. There's a lot of just kind of triumphant determination or t- determinism going on in the in the music and you know most of us are raising kids and so that <laughs> you know it's it's like it's just there's kind of a grittier reality to life that i don't find expressed in in much music and so it's a challenge to find those songs we're trying to write those songs actually yeah so yeah. for, for worship leaders that are listening to the podcast right now, what what songs are speaking to you at the moment? And, and this question can be for both of you guys. Oh, dang. I'm going to have to let Andy answer this because I don't know any worship oh. songs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that, here, I'll, I'll just tell you that I, I'll I'll get real. We we do everything from, from a... Uh, popular Bethel song like Corey Asbury's song Reckless Love that's a good which, song which I think is a great song um, obviously we love songs like um, Sarah McMillan John Mark's song King of My Heart and then Solid. we like yeah we and then we do some we do some homegrown stuff like you know I've got a song called You Bring the Morning that we feel is, is a pretty great song we've got friends in Kentucky that write a lot of great great worship tunes that we um we use a lot of their stuff um yeah we're we try not to be snobbish like that's the one thing i want to make sure that is communicated is that we're not sitting around honestly we're not sitting around trying to be difficult and just like oh we're we're too cool to do corporate worship songs that that's not what we're saying Mm -hmm. you know we're just um, I'm not answering your question very well. <laughs> <laughs> I know we Sorry. just played on Sunday. We there's that that new Justin Jarvis song. Um, oh yeah, eyes on oh, you. Yeah. Justin songs are freaking amazing. Yeah, I love Jarvis. He's a good yeah. buddy. That's one of the first songs I've heard in a while. Um, that when I listened to it, I was like, I had an emotional response and was like, just really captivated by. Because one of, one of my biggest turnoffs is being able to sing along to a song without ever hearing it. Yeah. Um, and when I heard that song, I, it was just it's like you were saying, Andy, about um, it has that everyday sort of quality to it, where it's not yeah. it's not just like we're living on a continuous mountaintop experience. Um, well, let me let me you asked me for specific songs, mm-hmm. and so I just pull, I pulled up our song list of the songs we've done in the last three months for example we've been killing audrey Assad's song the joy of the lord she's she's a great source of material there's a guy out of england named samuel lane we've been doing his song saved which is just it's a wonderful tunes great corporate worship tune um and like some of our older ones that we do that we still love we're we're doing uh uh, let's see. Uh, Worthy of it all, David Brimer's song. Worthy of it all. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And then, you know, of course, we'll do we'll do John Mark songs. Like we're doing, um, nothing stands between us off Mercury and Lightning. Um, it's a terrible song. That's a great. <laughs> actually, actually, we did Heart Won't Stop. Uh, 
in April, and that was that blew up actually. So did it really? Yeah. Did I miss that? Uh, possible. I don't. No, I no, think no, I no. missed it. No, you didn't miss it. It was Easter Sunday, dude. Oh, I'm the one who did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Nothing stands between us. Works really well. I didn't know how that song was going to work. It worked. It was. It's. A, it was amazing. I yeah. said it's terrible because it's my song, and I'm being facetious. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, go listen to that song. It's incredible. <laughs> so, John Mark, I want to talk to you about that song in particular as sure. a as a corporate worship song because for me, when I listened to the record for the first time, there were two songs. Your his record, Mercury and Lightning. For those that are listening, um, there was two songs in particular that just kind of floored me as I listened to it. One being Death in Reverse, and then the last one being Nothing Stands Between Us. Um, now, there are lines in the song that are are very poetic in their imagery and things like the bridge. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Um, do you ever, when you're writing a song, do you have it being a corporate worship song in your mind? And does that ever act as like, does that ever make you hesitant to be more poetic with lines? Well, so there's um, like if you're when you're writing music and you're like, man, I really hear a baritone saxophone right here. Right. You would. um Make sure that you write it in a range and you leave space and you write chords and things that would feature that if that feels like what is inspiring you while you're writing it. Mm-hmm. And so I will definitely think about like I think about I don't when in worship, I don't think about the worship leader, the band and then the audience. Right. I'm using the word audience very for a reason. I don't think about that. Right. I think more like we're all in the band together. So I'm not when I'm writing, I don't think, oh, I'm writing for corporate worship as much as I'm thinking, like, I want to sing this with people. I hear a lot of voices on this. So I will um, definitely there are certain words that don't sound good when we all say them together. Um, and I want what I'm singing to make a little bit of sense. But my but I I think there the problem is. When you only say things that people have heard before, um, people are more likely to sing things that they've sang before. But the problem is we never progress. And everything that anyone ever sang was weird at some point in time, mm-hmm. you know. And so I try to allow myself a little bit of um, leeway there, you know. But I do think about like, OK, if I'm like halfway wrapping this, like there's too many words here, like it's not conducive to a large group of people to sing. So I think about it in that respect. So maybe I think about it a little bit officially. No, I don't think about it at all, but literally. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Yeah. My official statement is that I don't think about it whatsoever, but I do, you know, when I'm sitting there playing, I do think this song, people might want to sing this, or this would be fun to sing or meaningful to sing together. But especially in the early stages, I never sit down and think I'm going to write a corporate worship song today. I literally never do that. Yeah, but to do when I'm writing something like this could be really great to sing with my church. So maybe I'll write it as a piece for, you know, that sort of situation. Mm -hmm. But and I and but the truth is, like, I don't really know how to write any other way. I mean, I'm being dead serious. Like people always like want to get together and co-write and help me write a different type of song. I'm like, I literally can't do what you're asking me to do. Like, I have no idea how to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, 
I don't know if that really answered your question, but um, it is kind of a thought, but I try not to think about it too much. But I like the distinction you made as far as you're not singing for the audience, but when you're writing, you are thinking, man, a lot of voices singing this would sound cool. Cause it's, yeah, because we're singing with each other. We are all part of the band. Yeah, you're not like playing to a, I don't know, a group of people who are just sitting and watching. Yeah. Although, totally. maybe, maybe some places that's what it feels like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Andy? Yeah. I know uh, I, I know a lot of people in, in my circle of friends like VU guys as like kind of pillar songwriters within the the Christian community. Um, your album Cherry Blossoms has a lot of poetic imagery in it and things like that. Do you ever feel the temptation to kind of, um, I guess for lack of a better term, like dumb it down? Every time I do that, I lose. Like I'm always tempted to do that. And I've given into that temptation before, but every time I do, I lose big time. I, it's almost like as soon as I, as soon as my main motivation becomes dumbing it down, then it's like, nobody wants to listen to me. It's really interesting. The, the, mo- the most risk I have taken with my art is is has produced the greatest payoff because what I think is that people people are walking around with thoughts in their minds that they never hear said in church, and then when somebody gets up behind a pulpit or a uh, a guitar and a microphone and starts saying something different, they freak out because it's like, oh my god, I've I've had that thought before. And why am I just now hearing it in in the context of the church? Mm-hmm. There are two different things. I don't want to interrupt you, but let me say this then. But these are two different things. And Andy's making me realize this with what he's saying here that I've been trying to articulate for a while, for like a hundred years, been trying to articulate this. And Andy just like answered this for me. Like, so you, these are two different things. They just look the same, right? Mm. I have something I have to say. So I'm going to write a song to say it, right? Okay. The second thing is, these people really need to hear this. So I'm going to write a song so they can hear this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What Andy's talking about is writing songs because you have something to say, right? But when you move over to this other category, it's like, well, people really ought to hear this. So I'm going to write something for them to have this, right? Mm. You've moved into a totally different space. Even though those songs can sound similar, look similar, be similar, the first carries with it. I think a built in what people might call authenticity or believability Mm. as the second, like you're going to have to work real hard to make that feel believable in my opinion. Does that make sense, Andy? Yeah, totally. It totally does. And, and Sam, I mean, you can dig deeper into my catalog, but before cherry blossoms, there was, I did a, like a straight up corporate worship album and it, it's, it kind of sounds like the hum of a refrigerator. Like it's, it's nice. It's huge in South America, though. It's huge in South America. It actually is. That's not a joke. It actually is. No. It actually no, is. Some of the biggest true. songs in South America are Andy's songs. Yeah, that's a different story, but that's not a joke. But but my but I have personally had the most fun. Let, let me just tell you this little anecdote. I I went to a John Mark show. John Mark and Josh Garrels were they toured with each other a couple of years ago. And, um, I mean, both of them are wordy writers, right? Because one of the arguments you hear from, from the corporate worship crowd is, you know, you got to make it easy to sing or you, you can't use too many words or you got to, you know, 
simplify it so that people can join in. So like face, I, grace, I, place, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I, and I honestly, I don't want to completely disregard that sentiment because I know there's an element of truth to it. But that night I witnessed something. There were like 3,000 people in the crowd. And between John Mark and Josh Garrels, I stood there and I watched 3,000 people sing every word to every one of those songs. Mm. So it's like, it, it's, it's almost like when people have their hearts connected, if there's some kind of connection to the music, they're going to dive in. The problem is, is that we're creating music, we're creating art that people don't feel connected to, you know, and, you know, of course, I'm speaking broadly here, too. This is <laughs> this is well, only, I think, my pers- only my perspective. So I think when you're I'm sorry, man, go, I didn't mean no, to you go, you, you go you jump in, John Mark. You know how I am. I get I get stoked. And I just can't hold it back. I'm sorry. man. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to get better. But like, I think that when if you are purpose is to promote ideology or theology or thought, right? If that's your purpose, then you got to work really, really hard to get people engaged. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to work really hard to get people engaged. But I think if your purpose is to express something of yourself, you know, it's to sort of like present your own narrative. It's actually much easier to get people engaged in that. Here's what I mean. Is when you are like, I think people think I hate theology, you know, because I always talk about how theology is not that important to worship song. And people think like I disagree with the, the theology, but that's not necessarily true. It's that if your purpose is to promote theology, you actually do a bad job at even promoting that theology. Because if it sounds unbelievable, then people won't engage with it because they just don't believe you. So what's mo- more important in your songs then the theology is that people believe you. Because if people don't believe you, not believe what you're saying is true, but I mean believe you as the presenter. Is your song believable? Yeah. If your song is not believable, then your theology matters nil. It matters not at all because no one is going to really care about what you're saying. Mm. Even if they are singing your songs in church, they're not really taking it home. They're not putting it in their car. They're not singing it all week long. You know. So really what's more important to me is that people feel invested in me or invested in that song. Or when they hear that song, they hear their own story. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's what's uh, important. And I think that's why people, if you write a song and it is a little bit weird, it's a little bit out of the box, but like it's believable, people will buy in and they will go all the way with you. But if they don't believe you, then like you got to get, you got to extend yourself way out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the ABC songs, it's like educational music. You got to make it real easy because nobody wants to sing it anyway. So you got to kind of make it easy for them. But if you can get people to engage in something that they believe is real, yeah. then it's not that hard. Then you have a lot of, you have a long line. There's a lot of weird stuff you can do and get away with if people actually care about what you're saying. You know, but as an artist, you have to get them to actually care by the way you present it. And that means you have to really believe it yourself. I don't mean it. I'm not saying that most worship leaders or a lot of worship leaders don't believe theology. I'm just saying like they sing about it in a way that sounds like they don't believe it. Mm. So that what you're saying uh, kind of reminds me of the topic um, of that panel you were a part of at Breath and Clay, where they talked about the difference between art and propaganda. Yep. 
And yeah, and the truth is, and I'm not saying this to put music down because worship music down. But the truth is, most worship music is propaganda. No, the truth is, most people when they write a worship song, and it doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, good and bad are terrible adjectives. I'm talking about music anyway because it's highly subjective and totally relative based on the listener, you know. But I think that, um, you know, I think most worship songs are propaganda. You know, is I think most of the time, it were, most of the worship songs we hear and sing started with a person saying, I really need to write a worship song. I really need to say this. I really want people to hear this. And very few of them come from like, oh, man, I got to pull my car over because I got this thing happening and I got to sit down and get it out. Yeah. That's how I mean, and I'm not saying we don't write bad songs because me and Andy definitely write bad songs. You Hopefully you don't hear them, you know. Um, but, you know, I think but I, that's how Andy and I write songs, you know, it's, it's yeah. like you're out mowing your grass or you're in your shower or you're driving. And you're like, I got to get I have something to say. I got to get this out. Most worship songs that we sing in church are not written that way. Most of them, someone sat down and they like, I need to advertise for this element of Christianity. So how do I create a commercial for God that's going to get people to say what they're supposed to say? And that sounds harsh. But it is true. It is very true what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, do you guys disagree or does this sound too over the top? Well, Andy, I think for you, I mean, I know you were saying I've I've heard you repeat this story a few times about the thing that John Mark said about pulling over in a car and writing a song. I mean, that's the story of you bring the morning. Yeah. I mean, it was that 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 song was one of the fastest songs I've ever ever written. But it somebody said to me, I was thankful for this perspective because I said, man, I wrote that song in 10 minutes. And they said, no, you didn't. You've been writing that song for 30 years. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a better way to say it. But <laughs> but, but yeah, it wasn't me trying to write a worship song. It was mm. uh, it was just the it was the residual effects of a of a panic attack in my car. So, yeah, I mean, depending on where you want to take this conversation, Sam, I mean, uh, like one of the one of the things that John Mark and I have been talking about lately is like, well, you know that you know that 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 famous phrase that culture eats strategy for lunch. You know, we we have we have a culture within the subculture of the church, which is very um, it it doesn't like risk. It doesn't like taking risks, and taking risk is is like it's it's the number one essential thing to being an artist and i think that for a lot of writers within the church they have trained themselves how not to take risks and and my prayer is that we would we would in the church become risk takers and willing to engage in artistic formats that i mean for some reason, the number one value that we have is is that we need everybody to feel comfortable all the time and to feel good. And man, I just want to I want to hear some songs that kind of discomfort us or challenge us or lead us to other places within the human spectrum of of experience that isn't just about consoling us, but you know. There are there are other things to do in life. I mean, we need to be stirred to action. We need to be stirred to change. We need to be st stirred to you know engage and. 
<laughs> the McMillan children have arrived. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'll turn this down while they're hollering. Oh, it's cool. <laughs> but it's great. But anyways, does that make sense, Sam? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I want to say, yeah, I, I think what one thing that Andy is talking about right here is vulnerability. Yes. You know, that's a huge yeah. risk. And so it's not really just about, I mean, Andy, and I love this about him, and it's because the church is missing a lot of those laments and those songs that deal with things people don't want to talk about. But Andy's not just, I don't think, I mean, I can't put words in his mouth. I don't think, though, we're just talking about, you know, the, those types of things. I think what we're talking about is vulnerability and even joy. A yeah, vulnerable amen. joy is amen. is can be, you know, hard to deal with. I mean, have you ever been to a wedding where the groom was crying in front of everyone? You know, yeah, mm-hmm. like with all his buddies. Oh my God, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's yeah. very uncomfortable. But vulnerability, and see, I think goes back to like this idea that worship music is not a commercial for God, but it's the expression of a corporate narrative. You know, and it's not about saying the right things. It's about becoming vulnerable. To the point where you can be yourself. And, you know, we talk about spiritual transformation, and I think we put too much stock in the words to transform us. I mean, they are part of that, right? But the words don't mean anything if you're not willing to become soft and vulnerable to so that you can change, you know? Change only comes through vulnerability, right? Yeah, great, great point. I want to jump on what John Mark said. Yeah, I am not making a case for singing nothing but sad songs in church or mm-hmm. or or hard songs. I, I honestly don't want to be that guy at all. He, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, John Mark. We're, we're really talking about believability and vulnerability in music within the church. Yeah. Vulnerability and risk are ways we achieve believability. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's sort of like, well, the guy's crying. He must believe what he's saying, even if he's totally wrong, because no one would do that in public if they didn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's an overstatement. But you, you, know, what I'm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wonder, do you and, think there's a, a connection between what you were saying earlier, John Mark, and the desire to not say anything that's theologically inaccurate? And I, I'm wondering if there's a connection between this vulnerability, because sometimes when you're being vulnerable— you say things that that may be outside of your theological box. Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, so I'm willing to be wrong theologically if I can be vulnerable before the Lord. You mm. know, it's kind of like being right with your wife. Sometimes, in order for your relationship to be healthy, you've got to be wrong, even when you think you're right. Yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> the best analogy there, but I think that what's more important is that you show up. Because, I mean, a robot. I can type the worship song. We can send our computers to church, and they can all repeat. Parrots can repeat correct words. doesn't mean the words don't mean anything. But what a robot and a parrot can't do is become vulnerable and take a risk and choose to step out. You know, And a lot of times when you say something that you feel really deeply, you say it wrong. Mm-hmm. You say it wrong, you know, and then there's that whole concept of, well, worship isn't really about feeling stuff. And I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. I think it's ridiculous because all of life, feeling is a component to all of life, right? Why are we going to deny ourselves that in the most important aspects of what we do? Like if you get married and you don't feel anything, if you give birth to a child, you don't feel anything. If your buddy dies and you don't feel anything, like 
what kind of person are you? You know, and so if you go to church and you're singing about the things that are most important to you and you don't feel anything, then you have a problem. You know, you Ooh. actually do. And I'm not saying you don't feel it. There are weeks you go by and I'm just like, yeah, my kids are crazy. I'm tired. I was up too late last night. I'm not saying I feel something every time I go to worship. And when I don't feel it, I don't worship. But if you want to tell me that worship music isn't about feeling, then I think you're out of your mind. And I think you misunderstand what worship and the corporate fellowship is all about, right? I, I that's how I feel. That's that's that'll that's preach, John Mark. I feel like yeah. taking out like an offering right now. Yeah, we'll take an offering. <laughs> Livy do you can send your checks to Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> you know, uh last Sunday I got home from church and um, we got like Chipotle to go and, and I immediately gotten in my, my napping clothes and laid on the couch and on this music channel we have, there's this documentary on Bob Dylan and I was like, Oh, Samantha, she's doing her homework for school. So I'll just watch this documentary. So, um, there was a guy on there who used to do paintings at these Bob Dylan shows back in like the early sixties. And he said, you know, back in the day, we would never refer to an artist as somebody in terms of like popularity or, if they're making money, we would talk about them in terms of does that person have something worth saying? Yeah. And so they were like, oh, you know, yeah. when, when we would talk in community, we'd go, oh, have you heard of this artist? And the guy would be like, no, are they saying anything worth saying? And that was the metric yeah. by which people were interested. And that kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I, I want to begin to reorient my, I guess, taste in music, although I feel like it's always kind of been that way. And, and I wonder if a lot of people's taste is that way, where when you hear somebody saying something worth saying, it it elicits that feeling like you were talking about, John Mark. Like, I know when, when I heard um, Death in Reverse for the first time off Mercury and Lightning, like, I was like, wow, this is worth, this is something worth saying. You know, when, Andy, when I heard, you know, what nobody should know off Cherry Blossoms for the first time, and you said, make in love with my true companion. And I'm like, I've never heard anyone talk about anything like that in a Christian song ever, you know, but it's life. And and I was like, wow, this is something worth saying. And especially with, you know, songs like You Bring the Morning that that has that corporate worship um, possibility to it. Like somebody could play that in front of a church, but it also acknowledges the full spectrum of life. Um, and so, Andy, I wonder if for a moment you would talk about your new record and where you're at with that and the songs um, so that our listeners who are maybe unfamiliar with you, who don't follow you on social media um, can do so and give to your Kickstarter, which ends at the end of May. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be more of the, more of the pain, but, but, even, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will, I will say this. It'll be even more joy. I, I was actually just talking to John, Mark, and Sarah just a couple of days ago, and I was just saying, you know, I it, it my my shows have actually started wearing me out over the past year because I was, you know, it, they they were mostly just turning into like cry fests, and I was like, yeah, I, I cannot, I can't do that this next go round. So, um, you know, just for my the sake of my own sanity, I've I'm I'm probably writing tapping into. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of really rediscovering the goodness of God, Sam. You know, I, I think the last four or five years of my life, I've just been trying to, to relearn how to have a relationship with the Lord after some pretty, you know, 
big failures of one kind or another. Yeah. And it's in, so I think that's, that's informing the record a lot. There's, there's definitely going to be some songs that shock people. Just, I think just contrasting them up against the kind of the stark sadness of cherry blossoms. This, this, this one's going to shock people, but in a way it's like, Ooh, you know, I, I, I can feel that and it feels happy. So I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to write a happy record. I'm just saying there's going to be, so there's going to be more smiles on this record. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm stoked about it. Um, I think it's, it's going to be, you know, amazing. And, and you said there's 10 songs. There's going to be 10. There's going to be, there's going to, for now, there's going to be 10. I, I might push it a little farther than that, but now, but the minimum is going to be 10 songs. So, that's great. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty stoked. That's awesome. Um, I want to talk to you guys about uh, two more things, um, one of which uh, being songwriting. Um, for the person who is either just starting out on a novice level of songwriting or somebody who is of you know more advanced but looking to grow, what would you guys – what are some tips that you guys would give to those people to help develop them and, you know – make them go to the next level? I would say, number one, write every day. Um, Get up first thing in the morning and write words. Like, just write three pages, you know. But try and write a song every day. Um, Try and get, you know, technically good on whatever instrument you have. And listen to a ton of music, especially when you first start out. I think there are points later on where you have to, like, you know, step away because the music you're listening to is too influential. But early on, I think it's really important to listen widely, listen to multiple genres of music. Dig it in. There there are people who are considered the greatest of all time in multiple genres. Try to know all of them and try to know their best songs. Try to know why. And, you know, learn some cover songs. Like a lot of times that inspires your songs by learning somebody else's song. And that's totally you know, legitimate thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of the greatest songwriters do that. Some of the best songwriters are actually trying to copy someone else and they're just not good enough and they become themselves by trying to copy someone else, you know? Yeah. So, like, I mean, Bob Dylan's just trying to be Woody Guthrie. Springsteen's just trying to be Bob Dylan and Brandon Flowers is just trying to be (laughs) Springsteen. I mean, you know, and they all sort of find their own voice in the process. But I think... Find someone who's good and copy them, you know, but just don't copy the copy. <laughs> Go back to the source. If you want to sound like Coldplay, listen to the Pixies and Elton John, you know. If you want to sound like, um, you know, whoever, just dig into their influences. Don't just listen shallow. Like, listen deep. Listen three influences deep, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I would just add to what John Mark is saying. I would say if you have access to somebody who's doing what you want to be doing, see if you can hang out with them. You know, that's, you know, proximity to somebody doing it is very helpful. The other thing I would say is um, work really hard. Like, don't self-edit, don't self-edit up front. You know, just create a lot of volume and you're going to end up throwing out a lot of material but i think in in working often there's this momentum generated out of that like what's the old chuck close phrase that 
um, inspiration is for amateurs, right? Like the rest artists, of us show up and go to work. Yeah, that's it. The artists that are doing something, they are writing every day, like John Mark says. They're playing their instrument every day. They're they're not sitting around waiting for the muse to 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 show up. So mm-hmm. that's what I would add to what John Martin just said. Yeah, yeah, Picasso says that inspiration is a thing, but it has to find you working. Right. Mm. And so you that's, don't chase inspiration, it chases you. You just have exactly to work. Right. Yeah. And then when it hits, you're ready for it because you're working. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to uh John Mayer did an interview with uh Zane Lowe uh, yesterday on the Beats One Radio on Apple Music and and John Mayer was saying like it's so foreign to him that so many people like the goal of their music is to is to like be passionate. And he's like right. that he's like, That's your goal? He's like passion what passion looked like for me was spending six hours a day in my bedroom as a teenager practicing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But he goes, Absolutely. just cause you're passionate doesn't mean you're good. <laughs> yeah. So totally. I Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, something that we were talking about earlier, as far as like worship leading goes and believability is I've been having, and I tweeted about this earlier this week, like a lot of anxiety about worship leading because um, I've been hearing this question repeated over and over again, and I, I I had this fear internally that I didn't know the answer. And the question is, why do we worship? And and my like, you know, my family and I have had a rough past two years, and my honest answer to that is like, I have no idea, and I spend most of my time like at my church hoping nobody asks me that question <laughs> because I'm like I don't want to I don't want to have to give the answer to that because for me I don't know, but I think I was the reason why I didn't know is because I was thinking about it in terms of giving an answer for worship's functionality and its utility as opposed to its. It's beauty. Maybe that's, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but I was thinking about it in terms of, oh, well, we worship because, you know, it, it helps us know who God is, or, you know, it is a form of evangelism, or if you worship this amount of time, then this revival will happen, or, yeah, you know what I mean? Like those formulaic things, as opposed to worship being like the breath of my soul. Mm-hmm. And um, I got up in front of our church, we were doing this like interview thing, and and I was talking to one of the pastors beforehand, and I said, what's hard, what's really hard being a worship leader is singing songs that you don't quite believe yet. Because I want people, I, I know that most of the congregation, if they don't believe us, then it doesn't really matter. And so she's like, well, why don't you just tell that to them? And I was like, wait, what? Because, you know, <laughs> we've been in churches where it's like, you know, if you're not having a, a 45-minute encounter on stage— and people aren't getting healed and delivered in the audience, then like something's off. And so she's like, well, you know, you know, like at least half the people in the room don't quite believe what they're singing yet either. And she's like, if, if you just say that, then like, not only is that vulnerable, but you're going to be giving them like this platform where, Oh, it's not, me, this lonely kind of sinner, and the person on the platform has some special relationship with God. It's like, no, we're all in the same boat. So I got up on Sunday, and and I was like, well, you know, the last two years have done a number on my wife and I, and and so, you know, it, 
the hardest thing about this job is like getting on stage and singing songs about God's goodness when I'm not quite sure of that. You know, or singing songs about God's faithfulness or all of his promises being yes and amen or whatever, and not quite knowing if that's actually true. And she came up, to, this pastor lady came up to me afterwards and was like, when you did that, like, people in the audience, like, there was a change. And so, I say all that to say. Um, What's the purpose of worship? Why do we worship? Yeah. Well, I see it this way. As C.S. Lewis talks about, he's got a little book on the Psalms. It's my favorite book. It's like this big. It's called Reflections on the Psalms. <laughs> yeah. He said he used, it used to really, really get on his nerves. The Psalms where God demanded that or commanded that we worship or that we praise. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, it comes across like God is really insecure and he needs people to like prop up his ego. Mm-hmm. And it took him a while, but at a point he realized, wait a second. God is actually just telling people to do what they already desire to do in a sense. Mm. You know, he's saying, if you've ever seen like a sunset, you've been, you sit on a hill and you just see the most beautiful sunset, right? And you see it and you're all by yourself. I guarantee you think of three people. You're like, man, I wish they were here with me right now. They would love this. I wish my wife could see that. Oh my God, this is so beautiful. I wish my kids could see this, right? Or like you hear a really funny joke, right? It's always a lot more funny when you hear it with other people. In fact, like we'll watch the same stupid movies on the bus that we know every line, but we enjoy the movie more because because we all know the jokes, right? Mm-hmm. Because what's happening there when we watch like um, the Big Lebowski, which we know line by line for the most part, most of the guys in the band do. Like, why do we watch it if we already know it? The reason we watch it, we watch it together, is because we like knowing those lines together. It's a communal right? experience. It is a communal experience, you know. Because C.S. Lewis said this, he noticed people naturally share the things that they care about the most. It's just the natural thing that humans do. So you look at music, like just think about music across the board. Like what do people use music for? What do they sing about? What do they talk about? Well, 90% of it is about love, relationships, mating. You know what I'm saying? The things that are really, really important to people, the things that they sing about. And they want to sing about them together, not just in their car, right? And to me, like that's what worship is. It's like you, there's this thing in you that has to give a voice to the things that weigh heavy on your soul. There's this thing in you that to fully enjoy something, you have to share it. Like even you think about a wedding, you know what I mean? Like you don't need to spend all that money to get married. Like that money isn't for you. You know what I mean? Like your wedding isn't for you. You go to the justice of the peace to get married. Your wedding is for everyone else because something is so important to you that you want to share it with everybody else. And that's what worship is. That's what musical worship is. You know, it's just something that matters so much to you that in order for you to fully engage with it and fully enjoy it, you have to share it, mm. you know? Yeah. And so I think we make it a little bit too complicated. All of a sudden it has to have this like major utility. And I think it defeats the purpose. Like the purpose is that like, think God is fascinating. I think God is insanely fascinating. And I want to write songs that deal with God and existence and love and uh, relationships. You know what I mean? And to me, that's why we worship is because it's just sort of the nature of 
uh, your create. It's sort of the nature of your machine, the nature of your creature. It's just something. You, it's something you're created to do. Yeah. You know? And yeah. It, it's one of those things that brings value to life. You know, so like it's not a thing that keeps you alive. It's one of those things that makes being alive worth living. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a better way to say that. It's not one of those things that keeps you alive, but it's one of those things that makes staying alive worth doing. Yeah, it's like you that. Know? It's very similar to the line in the Dead Poet Society where he talks about like being a scientist and being a mathematician and a doctor. That's great for like sustaining life, but art and poetry are reasons why we are alive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're not alive to stay alive. We stay alive for a reason. And for me, that reason is to connect and have this interaction with other people. You know, when you look at the Bible, it says we're two or more gather on there. Anyone touch and agree, you know, that whole thing. Like, that's what's going on. And that's why you can't divorce the body from the from the Lord in a lot of ways. You can't divorce the body of Christ and the fellowship. You know, and that's why we worship together is because there's something about it that we have to do. We have to share what we love with one another. That's the nature of human existence, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why we live. I'll think about all the greatest things in life are like that. All of them. All the most important things in life are things you share. Almost nothing awesome in life happens to you by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Andy, you have any thoughts? Um, well, no, not really. I mean, I could, we could have another podcast about all this. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing about it is, Sam, is you got you got me and John Mark on the same podcast and we love talking about this stuff. So we could talk for hours. Um, but I think worship, the, the why, the why behind worship is, um, it's the cultivation or, or it's the practice of, of thankfulness of being alive, you know, because, I mean, the, the fact is we all have those moments where, where, where being alive in itself is so painful. You get punched in the gut in a way that you just do not feel like you can get up from or go on from. But, but I would say, honestly, man, I just love the Lord, Sam. I just, I mean, for all the all the hits that I've taken, I've 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 tried to get rid of the Lord. I've tried to get rid of the Lord out of my life. I've tried to like move on from Him and do something different. But I just like Him a lot. I like Him too much, even when it seems like He hasn't helped me in the way that I needed to be helped. You know, I mean, I'm. I'm, I think I'm in this too far to to pull out now. So, like, the act of worship is it. I I I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life for the most part, and faithfully gone to church. And sometimes that can just be so boring. But man, I like getting up on Sunday morning and going to a building and seeing all my friends and having a really good band and us playing songs that we kind of like. And then singing together in a way that just, like, sometimes you just hit that spot where, like, 
It's not about what God's going to do for us. It's not about what we're going to do for God, but we're all in this moment of experience together, and it's just so good. There's nothing better than that. So, Totally. And existence is so good, and I think, why do we need more? Like, I'm tired of hearing all these songs about more, you know? <laughs> like, you don't need more. You really don't need more. God made you. You might not exist. You could be like the rest of the universe that's empty space, but you're not. You actually get a chance. And even when life really sucks and it's really painful, it's only painful because life is so good. Like when bad things happen, when someone dies, the only reason it sucks when someone dies is because life is so good. Even death reveals how good life is. Even pain reveals how awesome life is. And so if you can't come into church— I mean, we all have bad days, but if you can't come into church and find a reason to worship, then I think it's because um, we—I'm not saying this to you like you. I mean you as in the corporate you. Sure. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, if you can't come into church and find a reason to open your voice and make a sound, then, like, you need to step back and take stock and think about the fact that, like, you were a single-cell organism while you were two cells, Right. And then you were formed into more cells, into multiple cells, and you were born, and you came out, and you were grew, and you like you actually are here, and you get to see and smell and taste and touch. Like that's not normal. That doesn't happen anywhere else in the universe, Man, as far as I can on. tell. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that happens here. And what's awesome is there's even more than that. You know, I believe in the afterlife, and that's great. I do believe in the afterlife. I'm counting on the afterlife. But you know what? This life is pretty awesome, even with all the terrible things. And I think if you take all the terror and death and the worst things in the world, and I mean, there are some very bad things in the world, and held them up against the goodness of like a breath or a kiss or just being alive for a year, seeing the sun. I mean, think about that. Like goodness outweighs the bad you know what I'm saying? And God gets a bad rap. Like, why did you create all this suffering? Like, I don't know why God created all this suffering, but I know two things. Number one, the good outweighs the bad. Number two, everything that happened that hurts you, God feels it. So God takes on the suffering of mankind. That's the picture of Jesus as we see on the cross. And so God doesn't answer. He really doesn't offer you many answers about suffering, but he stands in your skin and he takes the blow and he feels every bit of it. And that's beautiful too. Oh my God, you Come know. On. And so for me, that's why. <laughs> but no, Take for me, that's why. That's why I'm. That's why I worship because I'm alive and I'm breathing. And that sounds like, well, I'm alive. I'm like, no, I am alive and I'm breathing and my eyes are open and the world is full of amazing stuff and I love it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I don't really have any <laughs> other response to that, but amen. Um, well. I guess we can actually take up another offering, and what I mean by that is um, if you— Go to Andy's Kickstarter and yeah. give him all your money. Exactly. If if you feel stirred by this conversation, know that Andy's new record is going to contain all the elements that we've talked about. That's it's, You're going to feel all of that. So um, go to Andy's Kickstarter. Uh, Andy, you want to talk about um, your social media platforms, where they can find that and, and what the deadline is and all that stuff? We have 19 days left from what's the date today? This is May. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, it's 11th. 12th, May 12th, May 11th. So we've got 19 days from now. So depending on when you're listening to this, it's just a matter of a couple of weeks till this thing wraps up. So um, 
Yeah, so you can you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can go directly to Kickstarter and just type my name in. It's Squires is spelled S Q U Y R E S. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for helping me. Absolutely, that's awesome. Um, cool. Well. I have one more question, and if you say no, that's totally cool, and I can just edit this part out. But would you be willing to play a portion of one of your songs um, for the people listening? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me do, let me do this. Hold on. Uh, I'm just going to play a couple bars, okay? Okay. And they don't, yeah. they're not going to see what's on the screen, so, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. put your phone totally. wherever you feel like is best. We're looking at Andy's closet. Since you can't see the screen, just know we're we're looking at boxes and clothes. <laughs> Literally. Does Amy have a lot of shoes? Is she a shoe girl? So many shoes. There's shoes everywhere. <laughs> shoes everywhere. Hey, how's the audio, Sam? It's it's fun. Okay, decent. All right. Oh, dude, I, I have ten percent battery remaining. So if this dies, you know why. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> For the wounds that I've inflicted and the wounds that I've received, I offer you my bitterness, I offer you my grief. For the trust that I've broken and the lies that I've told. Forgive me, God, for giving my heart away for gold. What kind of madman are you taking on the worst of odds? Well, I'm chalking up my fortunes to your foolishness, oh God. Well, I am a slice-eyed wanderer, brood of vipers in your hands. You're an Appalachian preacher who I cannot withstand. Well, I'm running for your altar. I'm weeping on your floor. Well, I feel your love inside my heart. Oh, I want to feel it more. You said be wise and gentle like the serpent and the dove. Only heeding half of your own advice is your foolishness, oh God. We'll save the rest for the album. How about that, Sam? That sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah, guys. Yeah, it was great uh, talking to you guys. Yeah, man. I loved it. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of the combo. Yeah. Hey, Sam. Yeah. Sam, I've said it before, but... You got a voice for radio, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does have a great voice. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to, you know, you're, you were one of my main inspirations in wanting to like, because every time I hang out with you, you're like, dude, what you, that podcast was really good. You know, and I, I would, I would check it like a year and a half after I stopped doing it and it's still getting a bunch of listens. And I'm like, maybe I should well, just start another one. So I'm trying to pick up where I left off. Keep it going, bro. Keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah. So. All right, man. Cool. We'll see you. Catch you All guys right. later. All right, bye. Peace. Peace. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Word Podcast. 
And if you want to give to Andy's Kickstarter, I'm going to place a link to that page in the show notes. So check that out and give towards his project and let's help him make his best album yet. Um, if you want to check out what we're doing here at the word podcast, you can follow us at our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash the word pod or on Twitter at the word pod. You can also um, find us on Patreon. If you want to give into what we're doing on a monthly basis, whether that be a dollar or $5. Um, and that's at patreon.com backslash the word pod. Also, um, we'd really appreciate it if you would go on iTunes and subscribe to the page as well as leave a comment or review of what you think. So yeah, we will see you next week here at the word pod. Grace and peace.